Welcome to episode 8 of Teen Introspection. Today I'm here with Annika. Hi. And today we're going to be talking about eating disorders. So Annika, why don't you start by telling us about your experience with an eating disorder? Okay. So basically, I I think I started, it started around when I was in fifth grade. Um, it was just before I moved to um, Spain, I think. Yeah. So I was in New York and it was the summer before and I just, I didn't feel very happy where I was. Um, like physically, I would come home from school and I was just, would do my work and go to bed. And I guess I was like a little bit sad that I was, I was very sad that I was going to leave all my friends behind and move to this new place on like the other side of the world. Um, and so I decided to take control of the situation I was in and I started to work out and I started to eat healthier and I was, I was in fifth grade, so I, whatever I saw around me about losing weight and stuff, I tried to employ into my life. Um, and then at, at first, the results were great. I, lost, I wasn't even overweight before. I was just slightly on the, um, the more, I would say, chubbier side. Yeah. Um, and just slowly um, lost a little bit of weight, and it was all good. I was all healthy. And then I moved to Spain, and then it started getting a little bit out of control, where I was way below what I should have been for that age. And then from then onwards, it just was a spiral of going in and out, weighing more and then losing the weight um, up until about 10th grade, my sophomore year, when I came out to my parents and I was like, I think I have an eating disorder because all the time before, I would kind of just push it away and just say, oh, it's nothing, it's not that big of a deal, I just, I don't feel healthy when I'm, I'm more over, when I'm weighing more, um, and yeah, and then I, I started my recovery journal, journey in my sophomore year, and I'm still on that road to recovery, it's a long path. Is there some kind of, like, event that you could share with us that's just kind of part of your experience, and that kind of stuck with you, and you just think it kind of reflects how you kind of, like, lost control and how you kind of went into that spiral. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I never... The one thing I ever did before I kind of acknowledged it in 10th grade was that I didn't really think I had an eating disorder. I My mind kept on telling me that I, I'm just doing this because I felt healthier the way I was and I didn't need those extra pounds. They weren't doing anything good for me. Um, when really my health was not the best I thought I was super healthy but my blood results I remember I came in in sixth grade and I I had a blood test and I had super high levels of cholesterol and my doctor was like this shouldn't be she looks perfectly healthy um she's exercising a lot my mom's like this girl eats super healthy like there shouldn't be a, a reason for her to have such high cholesterol levels and the reason was because my body was not getting enough nutrition it was supplementing it with higher levels of cholesterol that the body was producing. Oh, wow. And so it's just, it all comes down to proper nutrition, which I, and I wasn't feeding my body and getting those necessary nutrients. And I thought it was. And another thing, like, I just feel like sometimes when I hear people talking about eating disorders, they talk a lot about their just own connection with themselves. Like, when you talked about this, you were saying that it was kind of like you were losing control of your life. You were, like, moving, and there was all these stressful events happening around you, which kind of triggered it. But do you think that or something else that was pushing it 
further that maybe you were developing, like, you know, you were starting to feel better about yourself and that's how you started recognizing things or. Um, I mean, so I guess I've, I've moved a lot. I've lived in a bunch of different countries and this was the one thing I could kind of control in my life. I wanted something in my control and this is what, this is one thing that I could have done. And I, I started to control it and I started to restrict and then it was just, I, and I convinced myself that I felt healthier the way I was when really I wasn't healthy at all. Yeah. I mean, as someone who's also a control freak a little bit, <laughs> I kind of understand how you could like try to find like different coping mechanisms. So you try to feel like you have control over your life. Mm-hmm. When you first like started to seek recover- recovery and seek help and everything, what was something that helped you let go and kind of like not want to have so much control of your life? Well, so I guess when it first started, I didn't really know what I had. I didn't know I had anorexia or orthorexia, um, which I'll explain what like the two, the difference between the two are later. But um, I just, I just thought I was losing weight and trying to be healthier. But um, I think towards the end of middle school and early high school, I actually realized that, this is a problem, this is an eating disorder, but I didn't want to cave into the fact that I had one. So I would just, it would just continue and I would let it happen. And I think the one thing that made me come out and tell my parents was I just realized enough was enough and I didn't want to live with this my entire yeah. life. It's just like the decision over something that you do so regularly, which is eating. Like it was just so, like, it was consuming you almost. Exactly. And it was just, it was almost obsessive, like counting calories thinking about what I'm going to eat for my next meal, um, who I'm going to be eating with, how do I pretend that I don't look this way when I'm eating this sort of food. And it just, it's so much that I didn't need in my life when there were so other things that I could focus my, my thoughts on. What did you mean by like, when you're, cause that's also like really important. It's kind of like the environment around you. You were saying you were like super conscious of how you were going to be eating when you were with someone else. What was that like for you? Right, because I didn't want to expose to other people that I had this problem. So I would maybe restrict in the morning. If I was going out to lunch with friends, I would restrict in the morning so that I could appear that I was eating totally fine when I was with them. Or if I was coming home to a big dinner, I wouldn't have a big lunch and I definitely wouldn't have like something to eat in the afternoon. So I would kind of plan my day around what kind of event I was going to and who I was hanging out with so I wouldn't appear to be somebody with an eating disorder. Yeah, of course. Which I think was very damaging because then it's all planning your day around other people and managing what you eat and just a lot to to think about. Is there some advice you have for people who might be friends with people that have eating disorders? Because like, I'm just saying this because, like, for example, from my point of view, when you told me about this, I was super surprised. Like, I was with you through a lot of that time. And it was just, like, I mean, like, looking back now, I could see how some things could have been, like, I guess red flags and, like, warning me. I could see that now. But, like, at the time, it just seemed like you were masking it so well that, like, I just, you know, I just didn't. I had it all, all controlled and, I, I don't know, my parents... Like, my parents didn't even suspect it as well. I had it so well masked that they just thought it was, like, a metabolic issue or I was growing. That I've been to doctors because um, I've 
wasn't putting on weight and stuff. And they, I had ultrasounds of my thyroid. And I, I look back on that and the amount of money my parents have put into all that stuff to make sure that I'm healthy. And I was just this stubborn kid or teenager who didn't want to give in to the fact that I had an eating disorder. And that's how much it consumes you. I think I went a little bit off the question there. But, oh, no, to, but to address it, like how, the red flags, that was the question yeah just because um, I feel like maybe if someone would have like taken more time and attention they could have like try and and helped you and like how would you have liked for them to reach out and stuff like that I I think I was so stubborn that if somebody tried to help me I mean plenty of people tried to help me I remember going to the doctor and then asking my my parents to leave my mother to leave and he asking me like do you have an eating disorder do you um, are your the people around you like um, dieting or conscious of their body image and stuff? And I always didn't. I mean, it was never the circumstances around me that triggered it. At anything, it was more myself and my obsessive want to control everything. Um, but I always denied it, and I just like when you see the flag. I, it's hard to see the flags because people don't want you to know the problems exactly. that they have. So, but they, there are definitely some trademark flags where if somebody's losing weight rapidly or obsessing over what they eat or, um, I don't know what else. Usually the weight is like the trademark one. Um, I, you would really have to spend like 24 seven with the person to know really. If yeah, of course. One, because otherwise they're, they're masking so much. Well, in my case, I masked so much of it. And you mentioned before, you mentioned before talking about the different definitions that there is. Do you think you could explain those now? Right. So I, I started, I think I started with anorexia because at that time I didn't really acknowledge what I had. And then later when I went to, I started on my, when I started recovery, I started seeing a nutritionist. And I was diagnosed with orthorexia, which I don't think is recognized as a like official eating disorder. But orthorexia is basically obsessing over healthy eating and like fitness and like losing weight in the, the mask of being a fit, healthy person when really it's just a form of anorexia. Um, but I think it started with anorexia, which is just um, wanting to lose weight and just eating food with little calories and just eating food that like going on diets and so you think you started off with anorexia and then over time it developed into orthorexia yeah and it evolved into orthorexia exactly um I think the more the more I like fell into the eating disorder the more um I started like obsessing over nutrition and getting like super into looking at um ways to make things healthier and stuff and I think that kind of evolved my eating habits as well where I started to be, like, completely into healthy eating. At one point, I wanted to become vegan. And I totally, I think vegan is a great thing. It's so good for the environment. Um, ethically, it's great. But I think for somebody, like, suffering with an eating disorder, it definitely yeah. can be a red flag because it could be a mask for um, restricting, because you're restricting big amounts of food groups. I mean, dairy, um, yeah, the whole dairy food group, which it has and animal products, which are usually fear foods for some people. So. Oh, do you actually think you could talk about that fear foods? Because I feel like it's something that I just don't hear about as much. Right. And yeah, I don't think it's a, a term used normally, yeah. but it's usually foods that like make people feel anxious 
because they're either afraid of it and afraid that it's going to make them put on a lot of weight or because it has a bad association attached to it, maybe a memory or something. But I think in cases with people in people with eating disorders, it's usually because um, those foods are um, higher in calories or more nutrient-dense, and they're afraid of eating those and putting more weight on. So could you give like um, an example of like your kind of experience with fear foods? Yeah, and it's really funny because people would probably hear these and think that they're like the most normal foods that like people like bananas for example because really? bananas are like yeah and ben- bananas are so healthy right and now I've, I'll talk about this later how I've started to incorporate these foods into my diet but because bananas are like supposedly the most high starch like highest calorie of like the fruit the fruits and they're the most high sugar probably I was afraid of them and I didn't eat bananas Um, avocados, avocados are so healthy for you, full of like healthy fats and everything. Um, I don't want to put avocados on my food, olive oil, olive oil is also so great for you. So those were like the less, the things that appear healthy, but I didn't want to include in my diet, even though I wanted to embrace this healthy living sort of, um, mask for my eating disorder. But, um, I, I mean, of course I was also afraid of all the fast food and like deep fried food. Yeah. I would say I loved my vegetables, which I, I do love my vegetables, but I there was never a time in my life that I just wanted to make a meal out of raw vegetables, but I kind of forced myself to do that. Yeah. Also, like, do you think maybe it was like, because now that you're saying this, like the olive oil, the banana, the avocados, they appear healthy, but they, they're kind of associated with being like very, like not fatty, but you know what I mean? Like they have like a lot of calories right. and stuff like that. Like they're super foods I guess in a way. There's a direct association between well in my experience my fear foods and how calorie dense there was. Yeah. They were um because I by the I mean still today I pretty much know and this is so sad and I try to block it out every time I pretty much know like the calories of every single food. Oh wow. Because I'm like I've been like obsessing over it for like years that it's just all collected in my brain and now when I pick up things I just have to just like shut out that voice in my head that is telling me all like to not eat it or to restrict or telling me the calorie count and saying that I can only have one of these things because otherwise it won't fit in to what I should eat for the day um yeah it's just cutting that voice out and that's just so hard to do I can't even imagine how hard that must be could you actually like going off from that mention start talking about like some of your ups and downs and also kind of like your recovery process how you got to recovery and how it was for you yeah so I initially started recovery because I told you before enough was enough I knew it was jeopardizing my health um so I told my parents and they I I think they kind of suspected it or I mean I kept on denying it and getting mad at them when they brought it up that I think they were they were just happy that I'd come out and told them and I wanted to actually start this path to recovery. So it started then. Then I started to see a nutritionist, and we worked with her for a while. Um, she was quite helpful. I think she kind of forfeited her job as a nutritionist and adopted a whole, like, psychologist sort of yeah. um, aspect to her job because I didn't really need a nutritionist. I needed somebody to help me through the mental aspects of this um, illness. So I... I worked with her for a while, and then the ups and downs came. Um, I would gain weight and then not feel happy with the way I looked or the way my clothes fit, and then I'd lose it again, and it was just a spiral in and out. And it's still, to this day, I have days where 
I just, I don't want to continue. I don't feel good. But recovery, at the end of recovery, you feel good. But on the journey through it, you definitely don't feel good from day to day. You have your good days and your bad days, and you just have to deal with it and know that the end product is going to be something positive. What is something that helped you through recovery that you would like to share? Because, you know, maybe you could help someone out that's going through recovery right now. Right. Um, So... Something for me definitely was incorporating these foods that I feared into my diet again. I think that was, so zero restrictions, not cutting out any food groups, having as much um, calorie-dense food as I wanted and pleased, and sometimes more than my head told me to. I think one of the things I started doing at the beginning was just eating a banana with my breakfast every day. I mean, to other people, that'd be so normal, but for me, that was this big step, and oh, I'm eating this one thing that I feared for so long, and I'm putting it in my breakfast every morning. Um, Other things were when I was going out, um, eating what everybody else was eating. I didn't have any dairy hair restrictions. I convinced so many other people that, oh, I didn't like the taste of this, or oh, like fried foods make me feel this way and make my stomach feel upset. And it was just, it it didn't. That's what I was telling myself. I should, I was like, in my head, I was like, you should feel this way when you eat these kind of foods because your body doesn't want it when really I had zero problems with it. They're just, they're good food. Um, So incorporating that food back into my diet, um, just eating eating what other other people prepared for me. A big part of that was me not cooking my own food because I started, I think it was like late middle school where I was like, I don't want anybody to cook for me anymore. I mean, I would eat the food my mom would make for dinner, but I started making my lunches. Um, I just, I want to have complete control of what I put into my food. And one big step was that um, getting my mom to cook all my meals, make all my food for me, which (laughs) seems great to other people. But for me, it was this big step because I had zero control of what she was putting in it. Yeah. And it always tasted great, so I had no complaints (laughs) at the end. But there were some times where, like, she put that, I don't know, drizzle of olive oil or that um, extra piece of, I don't know, who knows, like, into my food. And it was it was hard to, like, as silly as that sounds, it was so hard for me to eat it. It's not silly. It makes sense, yeah. But um, another thing that you also mentioned was that your nutritionist was trying to take the role on of, like, a psychologist because it was just, like, what you needed did you end up seeing a psychologist in, in, or like did the nutritionist, was she able to help you herself? It's good you brought that up because initially, so we were looking for people to go to with this because my parents were like, we can support you, but there's only so much we can do. We need to see a professional on this. So I insisted a nutritionist because in my head, there was no way that I wanted to go to a psychologist. Yeah. I didn't think, I see, and that was me rejecting that. It was like, it's not that, an eating disorder is not a disorder with eating. It's a disorder in your mind. It's yeah. a mental illness. And I think the best thing I should have done was going to see a psychiatrist or a, a psychologist at that time or a therapist. Um, but I went to a nutritionist, and I think she realized and she adopted this role as a psychologist for me. Okay, that's Which really I'm really good. thankful for. And in the path to, like, recovery, did it help you? Like, I'm just wondering, because I don't know if, like, you know, people are different. Did it help you more to just be like you reflecting on what you've done with your nutritionist and your parents or like, I don't know, like, did you want to do it more by yourself and like your nutritionist or did you want to have more people helping you on the path to recovery? Like, how was it sharing stuff with other people? Um, 
I have always shied away from telling, I don't know, it's one part of me where I always was very, when I realized it was a problem, I'm one person, I don't want to, like, admit my flaws to other people, <laughs> I didn't want to tell people that I had, I had this kind of problem with me that um, is often, like, I, I maybe stigmatized, I would say, um, so I didn't want to really bring that up, so I went to my parents first, and they were pretty much the only people who knew for for a really long time. Okay. I didn't really want other people to know. Yeah, I mean, Until but you, now, you were... And I'm here today <laughs> talking about it. Yeah, but... I think talking about it is such a big definitely. step in recovery, and it's I really mean, important. I've told you anything. this before, but I will tell you this as many times as I need to. Like, I'm so proud of you for sharing your experience, because I know I can just... Hearing you talk, like, I know you. I know this is, like, hard for you to share, but I'm sure that putting it out there is going to help you and it's going to help other people too. Definitely. I think that's also another, like for somebody who's recovering, it's so important to get help from other people um, and tell people what you're struggling with, even though it's so daunting. I mean, right now I'm like so nervous to do this and tell other people, but it's just so important to do this because this is just, this is a marking another really big step in recovery where you're just open about it and you can admit that you've had this you have the problem and you're trying to get over it yeah and you're doing a great job so moving on from that what's some of your advice on how to seek help how was it for you in like your mental process that something that convinced you to do it because you said it was kind of just like you were done with it like you just recognized how it was not helpful and just tips you have overall for anyone that might be listening that also is suffering of an eating disorder I think you just, if, if somebody was suffering with an eating disorder, you just need to realize how terrible of a disease this is. Like, I think, I'm pretty sure eating disorders have the highest mortality rate compared to any other mental illness, higher than depression and a whole host of other mental illnesses. So it's really important to just understand how big of a problem this is. It's, just, it's not just dieting or restricting foods. This is something that can potentially kill you if you let it go too far. So you just have to recognize the extent of this disease and just bite the bullet and tell somebody about it so that you can make your path to recovery. Other, If you're not going to do that, then you're, it's just going to continue and get worse and worse. Could you mention like some problems that, kind, that you had, like physically or emotionally, that kind of brought to your attention that you needed to seek help? Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest red red flag was, so I had this period of recovery and I put on a decent amount of weight. I think it was in my freshman year. I was, um, my blood, my blood tests were good. Um, I felt healthy. The doctor said I was all good. Um, and I got my period. It was all great. But then in, I think a few months later, I lost it and I ended up losing it for a period of two years. And that was the biggest red flag. I think after a year and a bit of not having my period, I realized enough, It was this is terrible for me. And my mother was super concerned. My whole family, my parents were concerned because that that's like jeopardizing my whole future. Yeah, of course. Of having kids and a family. Um, so they, that definitely was a big red flag. And that is a trademark um, symptom of having anorexia. It's called amenorrhea, I think. Um so when I went to the doctor, I went to the nutritionist, one of the main goals for me was to restore my, my menstrual cycle. 
So, and you lost it for really a important. whole year. Uh, over a year, I think almost two over years. Over a year? Oh, wow. And, like, how was it, like, once you started recovering, did it, like, go back to being regular, or was it, like... Um, no. No, it did not. I, there was times I get it really frequently, and times that it happened, like, months apart, but that, that's how it happens, I yeah. guess. But I was just so thankful for that one day that it came back, because there was so much talk around um, me never gonna have, me never having it again, and... Um, oh, wow. like not being able to have kids and that was another whole stress that unloaded onto me on top of all this eating disorder um anxiety so I remember going to the doctor and having ultrasounds and this and that and getting scans done to make sure that there was nothing wrong internally but it's it there was a direct correlation to weight it was weight and menstrual cycle as soon as I put on the necessary weight to sustain it it came back which I'm yeah. so thankful for yeah, that's, it's great. But I mean, I, I was just asking because like, I feel like different parts of recovery could be frustrating. And I feel like that was definitely one for you. Definitely. I mean, that one was definitely probably the most impactful because that was literally my future of having kids. And I've always wanted to have kids. And yeah. without that, I wouldn't be able to. So. Is there anything else, maybe something you noticed or a tip you have for someone, just advice? I think when overcoming eating disorder, for me, the biggest tip was just incorporating the fear foods. I, I sat with my nutritionist and we wrote down a list of what I was afraid to eat. And I would try to incorporate those foods on a regular basis, on a day-to-day basis. Um, I would have my dessert every day um, as, um, as hard as that would have been. I would have my banana with my breakfast. <laughs> I would eat out with my – eating out especially – because eating out, I had zero control. Like, it was not even my mother cooking it. It was some random person in the kitchen cooking yeah. it. Um, and I had zero control over that. And I think that if you have the means to do so, definitely, that was a lot of help for me in overcoming um, that aspect of what I had. And maybe advice, because I know this is such, like, an internal conflict, an advice that you have to people to how they should like be looking at themselves and feeling about themselves when they're on this recovery journey yeah so when you're when you're recovering you're gonna have your good days you're gonna have your bad days and you can't let the bad days drag you down you just have to continue as I said before the end product I mean I'm not there yet but from what just all the people around me who have such healthy relationships with food it's it's gonna be so worth it and I know, I, like, I see my family, my friends, just eating to enjoy the food, not eating because they're worried about this and worried about putting on weight and not getting this amount of vitamins per day. Just eating because food is food. Food is nourishment. Food is not only nourishment for the body. It's nourishment for the soul. It's there to, like, bring people together and have nice dinners with your friends and family. So just realize that the end product is going to be amazing and just waiting and just letting just letting time pass by and not letting the bad days bring you down and you were saying taking inspiration from those around you that already are healthy and everything like it's cool that you think that way I just I've never noticed it but I mean it's so true like all around you just trying to learn from other people but yeah is there anything else you want to mention if anyone out there is on their journey um to recovery and being completely recovered just know to just continue and I'm out there battling it with you and continue because you're going to be at an amazing spot in your life sometime soon. 
Yeah, and reach out to those around you. I mean, exactly. Honestly, I don't want to seem like like I'm I'm not a therapist or anything, but <laughs> as the no, host of this is. podcast, I just want to put a positive message out there that if you're suffering of something and you need to open up to someone, you might not even know me, but you know, reach out to me if you need to reach out to your parents and just try to talk to someone about and it. You can, you guys can reach out to me as well. I'm happy to like talk to anybody exactly. about it. Like I'm not an expert, but I'll be here to listen to you and help you as best as I can. And yeah, I think that's it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Anik. I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. Thank you for listening. If you are ever interested in rating this podcast, you can do so at ratethispodcast.com slash teenage inspection. Thank you.